If you're a Carolina fan and you were in Williams-Brice Stadium on September 3rd, 2000, you know a little something about finding your way out of the wilderness. 23 years ago, the Gamecocks had lost 21 consecutive football games, a miserable losing streak that began early in September 1998 and continued until Carolina beat New Mexico State two years later. Gamecock fans stormed the field when the game ended and ripped down both goalposts, giving full vent to the exhilaration of finally winning again after all those losses. USC notched a winning season after the New Mexico State victory and beat Ohio State in the Outback Bowl that year. I'm Chris Horn, your host for Remembering the Days, and today we're looking back not at the football team's two seasons in the wilderness of winlessness, but to a much longer time in the wilderness, the two decades between the university leaving the Atlantic Coast Conference in 1971 and joining the Southeastern Conference in 1991. Back in the spring, we had an episode about why USC left the ACC in the first place and how they later joined the SEC. We didn't talk much about the interval in between when the Gamecocks were independent, but today we will, and we've got just the person to help tell the story. Alan Piercy graduated from Carolina in 1995 with a history degree and an enthusiasm for Gamecock sports that's been on full tilt ever since he attended his first football game as a young boy. Alan publishes a blog entitled South by Southeast that digs into the history of Gamecock athletics. You can check it out on Substack when you can. Alan has also written a book that's due out next month from USC Press called A Gamecock Odyssey. University of South Carolina Sports and the Independent Era. It's a cool book. Alan knows how to tell a story, and he has plenty of interesting tales of men's and women's sports at USC from the early 1970s to the early 1990s. First things first, though, I asked Alan how he became such a fervent fan of Garnet Black. I was fortunate to have a dad who took me to ball games, and uh, so we uh, spent a lot of time at the old Carolina Coliseum and Williams-Brice and Sartre Field, the old baseball stadium. And it, My first year that I remember going to games was uh, 1980, going into the 80-81 school year. And uh, you think back to what happened uh, in that year. George Rogers won the Heisman Trophy. Zam Frederick won the, he led the nation in scoring and basketball. And our baseball team went to Omaha to the College World Series. So that was a pretty great introduction to, to Gamecock sports. I was eight turning nine that year and uh, was just hooked and have been a big Gamecock fan ever since. And Alan says he initially planned to write a book focused solely on Jimmy Foster, a very colorful and highly talented basketball player who came on the scene just after the Frank McGuire era ended in 1980. Instead, Allen decided to expand the scope of the book to cover everything that happened in USC sports after the university left the ACC. This 20-year period is really an interesting period. There's so many things going on. We're just on the heels of the civil rights movement. Uh, black athletes are on scholarship at, at Southern colleges for the first time ever. Title IX happens during this period. Uh, women's sports go from club-level competition to varsity status. The story of conference realignment, which is still a big story today. Carolina played a big part in that in, in the ACC and the SEC. College athletics becomes big business during this time. Television deals, ESPN comes along during this time. So I started thinking about everything that was happening during this 20-year period 
And uh, it's really the story of all of those things sort of through the lens of, of Gamecock athletics. Men's basketball had reached superstar status right at the moment when USC left the ACC and became an independent sports program in 1971. But Allen says leaving the conference also meant leaving behind the big rivalries that drew fans and recruits. When the 71-72 season rolls around, Carolina is a major independent now, uh, and they're still the reigning ACC champs. Uh, and they, they were still great basketball teams for a number of years. Unfortunately, those intense rivalries were no longer there. ACC teams outside of Clemson were, were not playing South Carolina, and so that affected recruiting, it affected fan interest. You know, unfortunately, that program sort of slid into decline, but there were still some great seasons. I uh, think about uh, the likes of Alex English and, and some of the others that came through that program. While men's basketball would ultimately decline during the independent era, other Gamecock sports programs like baseball began to shine. Bobby Richardson comes on board in 1970 to take over the baseball program, and he turned that program around by, uh, by 1975, had South Carolina in Omaha for the first time, their first College World Series. He steps aside in 76 to run for Congress, and, and June Raines takes over, and in uh, 77 was Coach Raines' first uh, season, and he takes them right back to uh, the College World Series. And both that 75 and 77 team, uh, they, they went to the championship game, and so they finished runner-up in both of those seasons. So the, the baseball program really became a nationally uh, relevant you know, national power during those years. The Carolina football program struggled during much of its two-decade run as an independent. In spite of that, Allen reminds us of a few notable successes that came along during those wilderness years. George Rogers. Obviously, it might be the biggest story from those independent years. kid from Duluth, Georgia, who came to South Carolina. His choice was down to Georgia Tech and Tennessee and, and South Carolina. And Coach Carlin was the only coach that promised him an opportunity to play as a freshman. And he said, well, that's, that's my school then. So he came to, to Carolina and had a, just a phenomenal career, obviously, ended up as a, as a Heisman Trophy winner his senior year, 1980. The opening game of his junior year against North Carolina in 79, he ran for 99 yards, and that was his last game below 100 yards. Every game after that, there I think it was 22 straight games, he ran for over 100 yards. So just a f magnificent career for him, and of course went on to a great NFL career as well. And then you had Joe Morrison who came along in the, in the uh, early mid-80s and some of the teams he had. Black Magic, you know, the Black Magic year of 84. Carolina starts off 9-0, and climbs to number two in the nation after a big win against Florida State on national television. And then everybody knows what happened the following week against Navy, but still uh, the first 10-win team in program history. Not long after USC left the ACC, Title IX changed the landscape of collegiate women's sports opening the door for women's sports to compete at the varsity level, just like men's sports had been doing for decades. That had a significant impact on women's basketball in particular. A lot of people, particularly younger people, uh, the only thing they know of uh, Gamecock women's basketball is Don Staley. And, uh, and Coach Staley's had such uh, tremendous success at Carolina. But South Carolina women's basketball was at an elite level once before in the late 70s and early 80s under Coach Parsons. They uh, finished third in the nation one season. They won a WNIT 
championship uh, a season before that. They had a number one recruiting class in 1981. Uh, so she really had that program on the rise and was it was an elite program for a short period. You know, there, unfortunately, there were some uh, there was a, a bit of a scandal with Coach Parsons. There was a relationship with a player, and and so that that was a, a Chris that that story or that chapter. Uh, there's a chapter on sort of the evolution of women's sports, and it really the biggest part of that chapter is around Coach Parsons and her program. I didn't know how to write that story. It was it's such a difficult story, and I actually set the book down for about a year and a half until I could, you know, wrap my wrap my head around it. That's one of the things I like about Alan's approach to this book. He's not afraid to tell the difficult stories, but he does it with objectivity. It makes for a compelling read. And while we're on the subject of women's basketball, Alan pointed out that coach Nancy Wilson, who arrived three years after Parsons, led the women's team to several championships in the Metro Conference, which USC joined in the early 1980s. That now-defunct athletics conference did not include football or men's soccer, but it did give some of the non-revenue sports an opportunity to compete in tournament play. One of the chapters in Allen's book includes the story of Cocky, the university mascot who came on the scene in 1980, the midpoint of USC's independent era. Linda Singer, who was the cheerleader coach at the time, uh, decided she wanted a more huggable, uh, softer, friendlier bird. And, and so uh, she had that cocky costume manufactured and uh, initially it was uh, not well received by fans. Uh, I think it debuted for the homecoming game in 1980 against Cincinnati and fans didn't like it. They didn't think he was dignified enough. Uh, Linda Singer said he looked pregnant. He, he was small on top and, and big in the middle, and they brought Big Spur back to finish that season. Cocky started working women's basketball games. June Raines invited Cocky to come on out to the baseball uh, games, and so he did that. And by, by 81, he was back uh, at the football games, and, and really since then has just been a, a fixture at Carolina and uh, just an icon at Carolina. You know, the premise of this book is about USC's wilderness years, the 20 years that the university, especially Carolina football, was not affiliated with an athletics conference. I asked Alan his thoughts on whether USC should have ever quit the ACC in the first place. You know, my personal opinion is I, I do think it was a mistake to leave the ACC, certainly in terms of what it did to our basketball program. Uh, you had an elite program who was poised to, uh, I mean, there's no reason to think that they couldn't have had success on par with North Carolina or Duke long-term. You know, you think about, uh, you know, maybe McGuire would have still stepped aside in, in the 1980 time frame, but maybe, uh, you know, Bobby Crimmins would have come along or, or uh, somebody with ties to the program, uh, you know, a McGuire legacy coach. That's just unfortunately not the way things played out. And we're still, I think, struggling to get back to where we were in, in, in men's basketball. So, um, but having said that, there's no doubt in my mind that we're better off now in the SEC than we were. You know, we went through that 20 year period, and, and, you know, fortunately for us, we landed in the SEC. It didn't necessarily, that wasn't uh, predisposed. It, you know, it, it almost didn't work out that way. Uh, so we were very fortunate that uh, we landed there and, uh, you know, 30 plus years down the road, there's no doubt in my mind that we're in a better place now. As I perused a pre-publication copy of Allen's book, I was reminded of just how much happened, not only in Gamecock sports, 
But in the college sports world in general, from the early 70s to the early 90s, there were scandals and probations around the country, and the same things happened at USC during that era. Fortunately, the highs more than evened out the lows and set the stage for future success. For, for those of us that lived through it, uh, that remember those days, it's just a chance to revisit some of those characters, to you know, sit inside Carolina Coliseum and Sarge Fry Field again and just sort of relive those times. Um, such great characters, such fun stories, and, and not all fun stories. There are some dark stories too, but uh, I, I think it's going to be a trip down memory lane for anybody who lived those times and remembers those characters. For the younger fans who have no living memory of, of South Carolina athletics outside of the SEC, I think it's just an opportunity to sort of uh, have a better understanding of how we got to where we are to maybe learn a little bit about well, what things were like before South Carolina was in the SEC. And, and I think it also puts things into perspective. Uh, you know, we're going through this massive conference realignment situation right now uh, across the college landscape. That's not the first time that's happened. Uh, there have been massive realignments in the past. And so I, I think it, you know, there's, there's some things in the book that can maybe lend some understanding to how things have gotten to, to where they are. The writer is Alan Piercy, and the name of the new book is A Gamecock Odyssey, University of South Carolina Sports in the Independent Era. It comes out November 14th. You can find it online at uscpress.com or anywhere books are sold. And that's all for today. On the next Remembering the Days, we're going back to the late 1890s when a physically disabled student pleaded his case to be allowed to attend Carolina. Find out what happened then and in the years that followed. Next time on Remembering the Days, I'm Chris Horn, forever to thee.